Amen. We have been talking about the family of God, the church. And I, uh, uh, Joshua preached the last couple of weeks on that, that the, chur- the, the church is the family of God. And, but we're more than just a community because there's lots of communities out there that could say, hey, we're, we're family. That's really great. It, we have a specific call, and that is to glorify God in everything we do. So we are a family that is together that seeks to glorify God. And today, uh, the, the next core belief we're going to look, look at is this. The church works together to expand God's family, to make it bigger. This is weird having you right here. Yeah, okay. I actually kind of like this because now it'll be easier to keep track, keep eyes on you. He disappeared last service. I didn't know where he went. All right. <laughs> See, I get totally off. This is what happens. This is what happens. Um, the, we, we work together to expand God's family. Now, this guy a few weeks ago talked, used this term that I've been using a lot in my teaching lately too. Uh, and the term is the kinship circle. And we stole that from an author named Sandra Richter. She wrote this wonderful book on the Old Testament, which I'd highly recommend, called The Epic of Eden. It's wonderful. And she talked about redemption. This is the, the uh, uh, analogy Joshua used, the, the idea of redemption, that, that when somebody got outside the kinship circle, the protection of the family, the identity of the family, all those things, either because of something they did or something happened to them. Redemption was the process which the leader of the family would go reach outside and pull that person back in, redeem them, okay? And, and that was usually a costly thing. You'd have to, to use your own resources to do that and to bring them back in. And I was just thinking a lot about that, I, that idea, and we're going to just build off that, the, the family circle, the kinship circle. And God seems to be very much about expanding his circle. In fact... In fact, uh, it happens right in the beginning of, of the scripture. Now, we know before creation, God still was, right? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what do you think was going on before then? Well, scripture does not say anything about this. So, uh, but I had an old YWAM mentor that used to imagine what this might have been like. And uh, I, I submit this to you. I thought it was kind of a fun scenario. They... You know, the, the Trinity wakes up one morning, one morning, see, because there's no sun or whatever, and, and, and God says, the Father says to the Holy Spirit, hey, how can I bless you today? So great to see you. How can I bless you? And the, son, or the Spirit's like, hey, hey, wait, you bless me all the time, and frankly, so do you, JC. So let me tell you what. I feel so over the top blessed lately. I want to bless you guys this morning. What can I do? Run for donuts? What can I, what, what, what do you got to, you know? And then JC's over here like, hey, let me tell you, like, I, you guys, I do not need donuts. You did that over and over again last week, and they're my favorite, but I feel like I want to do something for you guys today. What can I do? And so there's this, this, this like, this argument of kindness that goes on for all of eternity past. Until so finally one of them says, ah, wait a second, wait, wait, wait. I got an idea, I got an idea, I got an idea. Ready, ready? <gasps> Let us make man. Isn't that cool? In other words, what if there is so much, what if there's so much goodness, so much love and affection inside that circle, and there's like, we, we just got to make it bigger. <laughs> we, got, 
We got to make it bigger. <laughs> Fine. I will move back into the camera. I have everybody waving at me. Stop going out. Sorry, those of you who are watching from home. <sighs> but frankly, you, sh you know, you're a bunch of sinners anyway for being back there. Be up here. You're, yeah, not really. I'm just, just teasing you guys. But Joshua's not teasing. I am teasing because it's wonderful that you're joining us there. But we're having fun in here, and I keep wandering off too far. Okay. Where was I? Marianne, where was I? You don't remember where I was. I, uh, oh, yeah, okay. The circle expands, right? The circle expands. Let us make man. So he makes man. And what happens immediately with Adam and Eve? They say, hey, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, let that circle expand some more. Now, we, uh, we, you know, we, we love when babies are born around here. There's Tyler and Ashanalia back there with Isla Janae. And I tell you, you see that kid and you're like, oh, it's so great. Multiplication, being fruitful, multiply more, more. It's great, right? And I think that desire to have a family and to grow that circle is the same that God has. That I have a lot of love and we want to give more. And the circle just keeps growing. And then it grows into this, this whole issue of of redemption, when we wander off, all like sheep have gone astray, we wander off. And what does God do? He calls us back to redeem us back in because he wants the circle to grow. It happens over and over again. God is about growing that circle. So Jesus comes to earth, and he's got these disciples with him, and he dies, and he comes back, and he ministers to them, and right before he goes away, what does he do? Well, he tells them, Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, more! Let the kinship circle grow. Now, how big should it grow? Well, there's a fun theological question for you. People of different theological traditions have said, had different answers to this. Some have said that God chooses from eternity past who he wants in the family uh, to be with him forever and who he doesn't. I, I tend to disagree with that notion. I, I don't, that's not something that, that I see in the flow of Scripture and the heart of God and the arc of the story of Scripture, nor in the ministry of Jesus. But if that's the tradition, you, if you come from a more reformed theological tradition, that's wonderful. You're so welcome here. You do not have to agree with me in order to be part of this family. I'll tell you what, though. We can go out and have a sandwich, talk it over, and then when we get to heaven, if we're both chosen, you can uh, owe me five bucks. <laughs> that worked better that time, didn't it? That was good. That was, thank, you. thank you. That was a joke. That was a joke. Just, I'm just playing with you. So just, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I've, never, I've never resonated with that idea. Because Jesus always seems to be about invitation and pulling people in. And also, I see some of these scriptures, and I'm like, oh, it's hard. It's hard to see that. For example, 2 Peter 3, 9, we see that God, it says, is, is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Isn't that something? He wants everyone to reach repentance. And that's in the context of this, like people saying, why is Jesus taking so long to come back? And, and, and Peter says, oh, he's, he's patient. He wants, he wants more people to come home. That's why. I, I, I love that. And then we see in Ezekiel 33, 11, 
As I live, declares the Lord, this is very pointed. As I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know that God does not delight in the death of the wicked. Wow. Because that's the way a lot of us have seen him. Now, I am so thankful that he's going to right all wrongs. I'm so thankful that he is a God of justice. But clearly, he's also a God of mercy, and he wants to give mercy. He desperately wants to give mercy. Sometimes with some, he won't be able to. But that is the heart of God. That's clearly the heart of Christ, to give mercy. Our job, then, is to make the table big. We're in the kinship circle. We're in the family compound, the, the family ranch. And we've been brought home. And, and, and guys, our father's house, fortunately, is a, is a big, big house with, with lots and lots of rooms. And it's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. It's a big, big yard where, where we can play football. It's a big, big house. There's a lot of 90s songs with really terrible theology. That one has wonderful theology. It's a big, big house. We're all going to our father's house. Like, that's what he wants. So as we're there, we, we, we just prepare a big feast. And we invite all the highways and byways, and we call them in. We want the circle to be big. We are called to expand God's family. What a beautiful Beautiful privilege that is. How do we do it? Well, uh, we do it through word and, and through deed. We, we announce the, the invitation of the gospel. And we've done that throughout our, our history. Some of you guys have read Pastor John's book. I heard it on the 806. Uh, he tells a lot of stories there about uh, uh, this congregation, the, the, the amazing stuff that God did. Some of you were there for those, some of those stories. Incredible, as I hear them, right? Some awesome stuff that God did of, of announcing the goodness in places like Guatemala and Nicaragua and Russia and all these places. We strongly believe in that and announcing the invitation to join God's family, to, to come into the kingdom. Also, through deeds. Also, through, through practical ways to show that we love our, our neighbors, whether across the street or around the world being the hands and feet of Jesus, or as Janelle often says, to be Jesus with skin. That is a beautiful part of the invitation of expanding God's family. And word and deed are not in conflict whatsoever. It means that we're being consistent. We announce the goodness of God, we announce his love, and we show people his love too. The reason we do this is because this is what Jesus did. And if he's called us to make disciples of all nations, then we have to take seriously what it means to be a disciple. Now, I, the, uh, disciple is one of those terms that can be white noise for us. Is that right? Like, just like very religious-y term and just sort of means Christian or whatever. Disciple had a, had a pretty concrete meaning. I, I uh, listened to a teacher named Ray Vanderlaan, who is who is a Christian who has studied for years in Israel and has done some, some real deep dives on, uh, on early uh, culture, uh, or early Jewish culture, and, and was, was looking at what a disciple and a rabbi's relationship was like. And it was not like a college professor and a freshman who comes to class a couple times a week. This was a full-time, 
very intensive kind of relationship. When Jesus said to these guys, follow me, he wasn't saying, you want to just trail around, I'm going to Capernaum and going to find an Airbnb there and then heading out to Nazareth. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like, follow me in everything I do. And in other words, copy me. Emulate me. Do what I do. And that was such a strong impression that a disciple would become like his rabbi. Not just learn from him, but become like him. They follow him everywhere. They, like, you know, all the time as he's eating, as he, maybe he has a prayer that he's going uh, uh, to pray uh, before he eats. As, uh, all the time, like, where, where, how, do you, how do you do this? How do you do that? All, eating, sleeping, walking, all of these things that you could become like him. One actual clear picture of this, as much as I hate to admit it because I did not like these movies, but the Star Wars prequels. I apologize. <laughs> apologize to my daughter, Emily. Please forgive me here. <laughs> Star Wars prequels, I did not like these movies. But they had the, a glimpse of this. So when you had the Jedi and the Padawan learner, you guys remember this? You had like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, and, and they're wearing the exact same clothes, and they've got their hair combed the same way, and a little you know, braid the back. I saw that and I go, oh, there's disciple and, and rabbi right there. That's the way it was. Okay? So we are called not to dress like Jesus. That was, you know. <laughs> and robes are out of fashion right now, unfortunately. We are called to follow the way of Jesus, to do what he did, to be like him. Uh, and to do what he did. So the Great Commission is sort of like, go do the things that I did. Go show the world what I'm like so they can all be like me too. And the most powerful way we can be like Jesus is to love others the way that he loves them. That is the most powerful thing that we have to offer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away Behold, the new has come. Now check this out. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see this? Jesus reconciled the world, and now we also become ministers of reconciliation. Because he did it, we do it. That was his job. Hey, guess what? That's our job as well. So what does that mean? Reconciliation is, is receiving one back into favor. Reconciliation is coming back together. It's a, it's, a, it's a joining, a rejoining. And that is what Jesus' ministry was all about. That should be our ministry. You are a minister of reconciliation. And that's exceptionally powerful in these days. Exceptionally powerful. You and I get the privilege of calling our lost brothers and sisters to come home. And that's a powerful thing. Years ago, I don't know if you guys remember this, Pastor Joshua had an idea. Pastor Joshua has lots of ideas, a lot of them. And he had this one, said, guys, I want to get a billboard. And at first I'm like, really? A billboard? That sounds like... Really good use of money. That was my first reaction, I think, probably. And, and, uh, and, but no, there was this really sweet deal on the billboard right above Safeway, or Subway. And he's, he said, look, here's what I want to say to the city. I have a message I want to give to the city. And it's this. 
God loves this city, and we do too. <laughs> and the more I thought about that, I said, I love this idea. I'm so glad I had it. <laughs> and so we sit down, and, and uh, we designed it, <clears throat> blue and white. There's a great story there that I don't have time to tell, so I'm not going to. But I have to just always remind him that it was blue and white and not black and white. <laughs> I'm preaching next week, aren't I? <laughs> so that's what we put up. God loves this city. We do too. Sponsored and paid for by Christ Center Church. Now, you guys, I can't tell you how many people would come to us and go, oh, my goodness, I love that billboard. That moved me so much. We're like, it's just this little thing, right? It was up for about a year, and then the sweetheart deal was taken down, and we're like, that's too much money. But I, that was such a powerful thing to say. Now, why was it so powerful? I think it's this. We are called to the ministry of reconciliation, but we live in a world where most are ministers of division. The ministry of division is hard at work. Hard at work. And it wants to tell people all kinds of things that they're divided on all sorts of lines. Divided on, the ministry of division says you're divided on, on, on the lines of, 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 of all kinds of ways, right? On, on class, right? On a, a political persuasion, if you even have one. You should be divided in terms of, of what, what color your skin is or uh, all kinds of things about sexuality. Oh, you should be over there and you should be over there. And everybody should be fighting. Like that's the ministry of division. And it's hard because you feel all of these things and you're like, man, the culture is trying to tear us apart, you know? And, and, and one of the ways they try to tear us apart is by our, our, our church, status or our, our religious identity. There's people that go to church and people that don't go to church. Yeah, there's, we got to cause more division there. And so here's what you see. You see, you see like, I don't know how many times I've seen, you've probably seen this too. Like some like, you know, sitcom or big Hollywood movie and, you know, and you got all these cool characters and then the Christian guy comes in. And he's either a real moron or he's a total snake, you know? And I see that so many times, and I'm just like, oh, come on. Like, did you, I, I'm offended not because they're putting down Christians. I'm offended because it's so unoriginal. It's so cliche. I'm like, you just stole that character from the last movie. Like, stop it. Really, have you ever actually met any characters like that before? And maybe they did because they're out there, right? But I'm like, Christians are actually mostly just normal people. Like, normally not these extreme caricatures. That's the ministry of division. Now, unfortunately, we've kind of done the same thing with a whole bunch of Christian movies because they've taken the atheist character and made him the snake, right? Oh, that's the guy who wants to squash the faith of the poor little Christian student. You know, it's like, come on. Like, are they out there? Well, sure, just like Christian jerks are out there, but most atheists are just normal people who haven't found a way to believe yet. In other words, the ministry of division can go in lots of different ways. We're not called to that. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation. So that little, that billboard was a powerful statement to say, there's not going to be this like, here's the secular part of the city and here's the Christian. We're going to have this, yeah, like that's what people are ex expecting sometimes. That's, that's not, we're, we just told the city that's not the way it's going to be. We actually love the city. That is what we're called to, the ministry of reconciliation. We, 
my computer's making a noise. <laughs> it stopped. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> Jesus himself and his ministry of reconciliation chose to love his enemies. And even said to bless those who are persecuted. Now that is a pretty powerful thing. To bless those who are persecuted. That's a hard thing to do. And in order to do it, we have to work together and we have to, to be determined to love through all things. So the posture that we have tried our best to take is to work with other, with other believers all around the city, all around the region, and just say, we're one of you. We're, we want to bless you. We, we want to bring the kingdom of God more and more. Like, we want to be here. We want to serve your needs. We want to weep with you if you weep. We want to celebrate with you when it's time to celebrate. Like, that is the posture we've tried to take. The whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole city. And that's a difficult thing to do because it means we don't get to react in kind. We don't get to react when people are, are, are when we're being attacked with, with division. We don't respond that way. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus kept on loving. He's, he said this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know that part, but look what it says next. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Let me say that again. He did not come to condemn the world. <sighs> One more time. He did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He came to save the world. It was in the midst of the mightiest persecution. So, uh, just, you guys, when Jesus, I've been thinking about this, this has just moved me lately. When Jesus said, love your enemies and bless those who persecute you, he was living under a tyrannical empire with homicidal maniac emperors and slaveholders. And they commanded legions and legions of violent soldiers who would soon put him to death without cause and literally throw his followers to lions. That's the environment when he's, that he's in when he says, hey, love your enemies. Hey, bless those who persecute you. And there's so much talk lately about, well, we live in unprecedented times. Unprecedented, unprecedented. I'm so sick of that word, unprecedented. Is anyone else? Can we retire it forever? We all got emails from Spotify Premium that said unprecedented times and all these random things like, enough, enough. We're not in times that are that unprecedented. Yeah, we're in times of division, but good grief. We don't live when Jesus lived. And Jesus, in the times that are like a hundred times more intense and more turbulent than what we're in, still said, love your enemies. And he still said, bless those who persecute you. So in other words, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. We really can be ministers of reconciliation. It's hard. It's hard. But our example is a man who said, Father, forgive them talking about the people that were currently killing him. Matthew 5, 14 says this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And he gives light to all in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and glorify or, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I saw a clip by a pastor named Matt Chandler, who is a, a Baptist pastor down in Dallas, and I just loved it. He was talking about how hard it used to be to be the light of the world. <laughs> like in our minds, we're like, it's really, really hard. And not like it's easy, but he was, he was talking about like, back in the day, if you wanted to stand out, you want to like really like, really shine, you had to have like answers. You had to answers for all the deep, hurting questions. You had to dive into apologetics and to feel like you were finally ready to be the light of the world. He said, you know what it is now? That bar's pretty high back then. Now the bar is so low. Here's the bar to being salt and light. You ready for this? Don't be a jerk. <laughs> like, wow, that person's not a jerk. Something's different about them. <laughs> like, wow, you're not ticked off at the world all the time. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> like, literally, it's almost that easy right now. Because everyone is, so many people have lost their minds and there's so much contention and there's so much anger and there's so much fear and everyone's swimming in all this stuff that if we can be ministers of reconciliation and just show love to all people when they disagree with us, that's light. That's light. And they can see Jesus in that. So I know these are hard times, but guys, there's wonderful opportunity right now to really, really shine and just come in the opposite spirit. And just choose not to get offended. And just say, this is who we are. This is what God's leading and God loves you. <laughs> Light of the world. When the prodigal son left home, we've often envisioned the father waiting for him, right? You've seen that. That, that picture of the father on his porch swing. He's got his binoculars and he's waiting for his son. And I was thinking... As I was preparing this message, just thinking about this family circle and, and what happens when one is gone. And I was thinking about the, the older brother. What was he doing while his little bro was gone, you know? And I think, I think he was out working, he was doing his stuff, but he was stewing the whole time. And I think that because when his brother actually came back, it all boiled over, right? All the stuff he'd been thinking about, all this rejection that he had felt, all this resentment he had towards his brother and his dad. He was going like, I can't believe it, he's such a moron. Like, he had it so good here. He just ran away like he didn't need me. He's, he's stirring himself up, right? He's out there and that's happening. And it was unfortunate. But what if, what if the people of God just chose that, well, if we're working on our, if we're working on the family farm, And we know people are gone. We know we have siblings that have run off. What if instead of stewing, we brought binoculars with us too? And what if, as we were working, we, we, we looked and we scanned the horizon for those we loved and who would run away? And what if while we were out there, we saw others walking and we just invited them in? Hey, Ted! I went to school with Ted. There's Ted. Ted! We're having dinner later. You should come over. It's a barbecue. Ted might say, ah, I don't know about that God stuff. I don't, I, don't know about your, I don't know about your family circle. You know what, Ted? That's okay. Let's play chess next Tuesday, all right? And what if that was the attitude? And what if in the midst of that, even while, even while people are, are, are waiting for their brothers and sisters to come home, what if while they're working, they're singing 
and dancing. What? Last night, John and Naphtali, can I pick on you guys? All right, last, I, I didn't ask you permission. These guys are so fun. John and Naphtali like to create community. And last night, they made a, uh, uh, they had this idea of we're going we're gonna to do some swing dancing. And whoever wants to come, and they just put this word out, they're going to do swing dancing. Because they know how to swing dance. And they're really good. And it's kind of intimidating. But they said, remember, you put the, put the word out. And, and, and it, so, so we had a, a whole room of people swing dancing who had no idea how to swing dance. And they put that music on. And they're teaching people the steps. And it was, it was I don't, I don't dance well, but it was so fun. It was, it's just fun, and it's, there's just so much joy. And I was just thinking, like, there's something about this kind of environment. This is our birthright, man. This is our birthright. You remember when we were reading through Luke? How many, how many dinner parties Jesus crashed? You remember that? Jesus is always having dinner with people. Jesus is partying with people all the time. There's joy wherever he goes. And people all want to be around him. So he's having some dinner party at a Pharisee's house. And a prostitute comes in. That's the draw that he's in, that, that he presents. That's, that's how cool he was. He's at the place she would never come. And she sneaks in like, that is awesome. And that's our birthright, to bring joy wherever we go. Because here's the thing, friends. We're called to be that kinship circle, you know. We're called to be that place that, that God brings them back in. And, and if, if there is warmth among us, and if there's joy among us, that becomes a wonderful place to land. It becomes a wonderful place where, that people want to come home to. People know a healthy family when they see it. And when they see joy, and when they see ministers of reconciliation, people who refuse, adamantly refuse to get involved in the ministry of division, but instead are actively in the ministry of reconciliation. That's a place they want to be. That's what it means to be salt and light. It means creating that warmth of family that it can't help but expand. When the joy of the Lord is our strength, we become a city on a hill like no other, you guys. We become a light to the world. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer. That God's family continues to expand because we end up looking so much like Jesus that people just want to be with us. And they want to a taste of that healing. They want to taste at the big, big table. They want to go play in that big, big yard. They want to be in their father's house. That's what this means. Do you guys receive that? Let's stand together, okay? Let's stand together. Just pray for you guys. Lord... We thank you, we thank you so much for your example of being that minister of reconciliation. And now, for each and every one of us, I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us afresh to love like you love, to have the joy of the Lord, for that to be our strength. Lord, I pray that we could adamantly stand against uh, the ministry of division and say, we're not going to be a part of that. We, we Lord, we want to be like you. And you reconciled everyone to you and asked us ourselves to be reconciled. So help us to be a family, a healthy family like you've called us to be. And may we grow your family.